Good afternoon, fellow Gooners, and welcome to another episode of Cannon Talk. I'm your sworn and my host as usual, Aiden. How's it, guys? Arsenal take on Newcastle, and Arsenal play their save our season game against Villarreal. Lots to discuss between the two, but first, let's um, discuss Arsenal at going to St. James's Park. I mean, a lot of us probably have flashbacks of that 2011 picture. Yeah, I'm still something at the Pizzacon. <laughs> Even though, I mean, we've had like a good record at St. James's Park, but I mean, sometimes they do spring a kind of surprise on you. So, I think the biggest surprise going into the game was uh, Aubameyang getting a nice first start after his injury, and then Matt Ryan coming in for Leno. What was your thoughts on the lineup? No, you know, I, I didn't think they needed some freshening up. I mean, Leno deserved a bit of a break. It was good to see Ryan in goals. I mean, to be honest, Ryan hasn't done anything wrong since he's been in goals. You know, he he played against Aston Villa and that flick on against Fulham. But he, he doesn't seem like somebody that um, makes lots of mistakes. You know, he he's yeah. very also composed in the ball. And it was good to also just give a bumming a run out because we knew we had our eye on Thursday to get um, his legs freshened up. And then... You know, I think I was very much happy with everyone else coming into the side. Martinelli as well, you know, to also give a bit of a boost to him since his confidence at times, you know, hasn't always been the greatest. But, you know, we're happy to see him on the field as well. Yeah, so the game kicks off. Arsenal, of course, start in the ascendancy. Uh, Newcastle kind of, you know, what, which has been almost like the norm with their form this season. It's like, you know, very within themselves, playing within themselves. More scared to attack than you know, uh, so rather just like, you know sit back. So I mean, also end up making the break in the fifth, the fifth minute when Bellerin whips in across to, I believe it was Aubameyang who of course scuffed his shot. <laughs> the ball and of course spills out and in comes on the rushing El Nini and he smashes the ball past the keeper. One 0 Arsenal after five minutes. Yeah, what a what a what a goal! I mean, he he always seems to find the back of the net. And and it was also one of his goals that was not in the box because he always seems to to find his way outside the box. But it was funny. Did Aubameyang officially get the assist for that uh, for that um, goal of Al Neni? But you know, I think it's actually possible because it was quite embarrassing. But okay, he probably <laughs> that to him because I mean you can see it. I'm mean, like he just literally shanks the ball off the side <laughs> of his and it loops up to Al Neni. Uh, so of course, Arsenal now you know. Adding the press to the, the game, Newcastle of course not attacking, almost like waiting for us to, you know, commit men forward. And I mean, then 18th minute, Saint Maximin ends up driving uh, the Newcastle team forward in an attack. He ends up taking a shot. I think it deflects off Jaka's uh, legs and kind of loops over. And I mean, you can actually see us on the goal, goalwards. And I, I mean, to be honest with you, at first I thought it was going to creep in because when you look at Matt Ryan's height to the crossbar. Yeah. You actually see it's only like so the height discrepancy. So, I mean, he manages to somehow get the spring to his step, and I mean, he tips the ball fantastically over the bar. So, good save for the keeper. Yeah, good save, and probably more confidence to his game because he's been so unlucky as an Arsenal keeper. Where, you know, a lot of his, I mean, his very first touch for Arsenal as a keeper, he was taking the ball out of the net. And as a side note, um, yes, Pamiang uh, did claim this, get the assist for the goal. I checked on the Premier League app and. He got the assist for the goal. So, 29th minute, uh, Arsenal again uh, on the attack. This time, the ball kind of spills loose out of the Newcastle box. Granit Jacques comes rushing as the you know attacking left back, and he just leathers the ball on the. I believe it was half volley shot. And I mean, Dubravka makes a fantastic save to keep it out of the top corner. Yeah, Dubravka, it's good to see him in goals again. He is always making, you know, wonderful saves. And you you, you kind of wondered, like, you know, is this a dress rehearsal of Thursday? Because yeah. Una Emre was going to always sit and Newcastle were doing it. And it just seemed Arsenal were taking the game to them. Arsenal weren't, you know, playing this backwards football. They were kind of, you know, coming at Newcastle. It was quite relentless and Newcastle were battling. So from the ensuing corner, El Nini then ends up heading a ball goal with an Almiron on the goal line man just to just head the ball off. So I'm in another close call for Arsenal. Yeah, I mean uh, Arsenal were, were on top of things, but also needed to keep the uh, keep the discipline because we know our Arsenal, you know, likes to switch off before half time. It's like a, a common occurrence. Then uh, second half, fifty first minute, David Luiz ends up pulling up with a hamstring pull. Um, ah. 
which was really worrying because yes. I mean, he's just not come back from the knee problem. But look, I mean, I don't know if you remember also, what we, uh, like, uh, you also as a player, um, you know, when, you, when you're coming from a long-term injury, if you kind of rush into things, it's not like all those other little niggles start coming out. Like, look at those knee problem, but now the he goes and does his hamstring another time again. Yeah, and I think David Luiz, uh, I was really, you know, a bit sad about him going down because, like you mentioned in last week's podcast of how you felt that he could have added something, you know, going to Thursday night. Yeah. So it was a bit of a, a, a bit of a loss not being able to call upon him at all with, with him picking up, you know, another a knock and probably that's his season and this for the season. Yeah, and I mean, from what, you know, some of the rumor mill that's been going around with, him being offered a um, a job opportunity opportunity in the MLS at one of the, the American clubs, um, it looks as though that could also be even his last game because look, with Arsenal probably going to do some infrastructure changes also in the summer. I think it's also going to start with people like him that are already, you know, their contract is already running out. So I don't think he's going to be even offered something like that. I mean, personally, as much as I like him. I also think it's also like a chapter that should be also closed in that sense. I mean, also like with regard to say William, I'm not I'm now just a bit off topic, but I mean also there if opportunity comes also for uh, him to to like uh, you know leave the club, then I think we should also take up that offer because I honestly don't see these guys leading the charge forward for Arsenal Football Club. And I'm no, saying he, the no. Guna, that should be the, the you know top priority for Arsenal as a club. I think we've we if the likes of Louis, I mean Mulian stays on, and you know you you can rather bring in an up and coming youngster like you know yeah. a, a, a sucker number two or something like that that he's making om- headlines now already in the academy side. I mean, give them slowly start faltering them in the team as well. So yes, maybe. because I mean we'll get to it, but I mean. You know, uh, the thing of playing William all the time, or I don't know, like you said, you know, or easier stipulation actually in his contract that he needs to be playing at least every game, yeah. as a, whether it's by starting or as a substitute. But yeah, I mean, Arsenal, you know, go back to the game, we just kept on dominating Newcastle, and it, it kind of was like a one sided um, affair. Yeah. Yeah, so like he ends up coming off, Callum Chambers then comes on. Uh, 55th minute, Xhaka again, lucky with a, a stupid foul that he makes because I mean he was already booked in the first half. Uh, this time he gets beaten on the, on the down the touchline, and instead of leaving it as is because uh, he's already like you know almost like going with a hip into the player, he still manages to flick out the arm because I mean look at that it was also Mike Dean, so I thought to myself that could also be a, a big issue now. Like, I mean you know how quick he is to react to to yes. play, so I was really worried. If you know, because I think some of the Newcastle players were also trying to tell him in his ear, you know, check this out on VAR, and but I mean, he just like kind of played it all down. The, <clears throat> then, 66 minute, Obama and then finally gets his goal after you know, somewhat of a gold round. Uh, fantastic work by Martinelli on the left flank, manages to you know, first time cross. I mean, I he really surprised me even because I was all thinking he would now check back to get the ball on his right foot and whip in. But I mean, this time he just played his first time, left foot curler. And I mean, it picks out Abame with an acrobatic finish, 2-0 Arsenal. Yeah, and, and you're kind of wondering and saying to yourself, you know, this is the type of performance, you know, you need to take on. Yeah. Because uh, it's it's amazing as well, you know, when you, you kind of play the players in their right positions. Like, you know, playing Pellerin as a right back kind of, you know, uh, allowed us to have that attacking prowess on the, the right hand side. And... You know, even um, getting Martinelli in the squad and a playing, a letting a bombing SPA the attack, you kind of added kind of something to think about for the um, defending opposition. And because Newcastle was so pegged back and so defensive, it, it was only made sense to kind of, you know, just keep on going at them and, and continue playing the way we're playing. And there was more freedom than anything else. And I really like also, like, you know, going back to it, how... Matt Ryan just commanded his area as well. You know, side note of, you know, the in-play to the game, but just uh, a note on Matt Ryan. He was very dominant in, in his box. You know, he never got bullied at all. Yeah, it was actually nice to see somebody, even though he's kind of, uh, you know, some of the players wanted to kind of clatter him. But I mean, he was managing to pluck every ball almost out of the air without, you know, with ease, really. Um, 
also then end up making uh, the substitution over uh, like a five minute period where they take off uh, Aubameyang and bring on Pepe and then they also uh, take Martin Odegaard off and they bring on Thomas Party. 90th minute, uh, Fabian Scheer ends up, I mean, he came, comes on as a late substitute for Newcastle and I mean, I think within a matter of minutes, he goes in so heavy on Martinelli and I mean, Mike Dean had actually no other, you know, this uh, option is to give him a straight rate for that. Yeah, so for once it's not Arsenal getting the red card since our games probably contain what were the most red cards per season. If you were a betting man, you could probably just bet that Arsenal or there would be a red card in our game because, wow, we've been really getting red cards and it's good to not be on the receiving end this time. Yeah. So I'm at three points for Arsenal and we move on to the Villarreal game. Um, Arsenal, of course, with a very attacking lineup. What was your thoughts going into the game? Well, you know that uh, I was quite nervous before the game. You know, before the attack, the, seeing the lineup, just because of that um, statistic um, that Unai Emery played 21 two-legged ties in the Europa League and has never lost mm. one. And we were hoping that we would um, be the first. But seeing the lineup, I think, you know, as weird as it may sound, that when Jaka was got the that knock just before the game, I was. Thinking, Flip, you know, he actually does add something to the team, that bit of stability, and he also does kind of add that long pass on him. But I thought, you know, this team has enough in the bag with Lacazette on the bench as well, if need to be called upon. You know, they could do the business, and knowing that this is probably the important, most important game, like of Arsenal, that, you know, you can go back and think of, like, you know, besides the FA Cup final, but there was a lot riding on this game, and you were just hoping that. Knew that guys were going to have enough to get us over the line. And also, I also envisioned us starting very strong. The aim was to get to the first goal in the first 15 minutes. I mean, you know, with regards to Tierney, um, look, you know, I wanted him, I was like telling you the other day already, I wanted him to start because, I mean, it should give us the edge. But, you know, the minute I knew there was kind of problems happening, like where he's not fully, fully fit, I think it was within four minutes you can already see he was struggling with with Chukwesi. and I mean I think it was fourth minute Chukwesi ends up you know cutting inside you know getting the, the, the dropping the shoulder on 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 Tierney getting past him and lining up a shot and I mean it took a, a fantastic save by Lino to tip the ball over the bar because I mean that shot was when you look at it from behind the goal you can see that ball was uh, racing to the top corner. Yeah, it, it was a it was a good. Say Valeno probably stung his palms quite a bit as well. That looked like, oh, could have been a very uneasy start to the game. But Arsenal, you know, you would have thought was what would have woken up. And um, the, the biggest kind of plus for us was that, um, as you said, in Jacuzzi, he um, picking up that injury and having to get substituted. And I thought, okay, you know, this is an opportunity now. It kind of stifles him even more because they never had that much going forward. But him playing and cutting in from that um, right hand side, so I thought, okay, shutting up that side. Now is your chance, Arsenal. We can literally carry on, um, you know, and, and get that goal that we need. I mean, one thing that really did shock me, I think it happened in the, I think it was the 14th minute, like just before the, somewhat, sometime before the Chukwesi, uh injury, where Thomas Party does probably one of the most bizarre, bizarre back passes I've ever seen. We hit a route one. Ball at Leno, <laughs> he, he like literally as what you call you know what you when you teach kids telling them or explaining to them what a blind pass is. He just I mean he's not even watching with the goal if he's the goal is even prepared for the, the back pass, and he hits this airborne like almost like a hill <laughs> type of back pass, and I mean it took Leno to almost like loop the like you know almost like flick the ball up in the air with his head and get the ball somehow under uh, control. And I mean for me I, I thought to myself. Is this actually the Thomas party? Everybody's been, you know, on about about you know the way he can control games and that. I mean, it always gives people like benefit of the doubt. But when I, there's certain things of his game that that I mean really shocked me even in this game. I mean, I know, yes, everybody was saying, you know, Arteta's almost like asking too much of him. But I mean, surely when you see, uh, or, or, like, even one of my friends was asking me like, uh, like what my opinion was now seeing this. So I told him like the way my like my point of view is. Look in La Liga, they're not gonna really high press you unless you say Barcelona or whatever or Madrid. 
But normally, most of the other teams will rather just sit back. So it's not like he, he becomes like a boss. You think, you know, this is the guy that's not just dominating in midfield. You know, he's really bossing everything. But you can see, this is probably something where, where Emery has been also quite clever because he's actually noticed the last few games, even the last few ties, even in the Europa League, where Thomas Party believes he is. I was like, not only ages, you know, we can hang on the ball and that. Whereas now, this time, everybody knows if you press, you know, if you are, uh, you know, surround him and, and almost like smother him, he's going to try to beat you and he's going to end up losing the ball, either tripping over the ball or just losing <laughs> position. Because I don't know how many times did we see that yesterday, Aiden, like where two to three guys are surrounding him and he tries to do like a either pirouette or a drag back. Then he gets just swarmed over and you just see that the, him on his, almost like a, on his backside or on his knees. And the, the rest of the three of the Villarreal players just scatter past him with the ball. Yeah, and Villarreal is quite a very slow team. I mean, you would have thought Arsenal would have, you know, tightened up the, cranked that up a notch uh, and start spreading the play. And, you know, but but prior to this, it, it was really worrying for me that Arteta has not, you know, won a game at the Emirates yeah. um, in the knockout stages. I mean, yes, we beat Benfica 3-2, but that was, you know, at a neutral venue, actually. So, it was kind of worrying for me as well. And like, you know, the first 20, 25 minutes, you're looking at this game and you're starting to already panic. Yeah. And like, wonder where is this goal going to come from? What I can't understand for the life of me is why are they playing crosses and nobody's in the box? There's no target man. And like, they're just playing a cross and there's nobody really challenging or anything like that. It's, it's almost like giving the opposition an opportunity to just get the ball away. And, and Arsenal were playing way too sluggish on the ball. I mean, play quicker, let them run, play through the spaces. I mean, the moment a team doesn't open up for Arsenal, they play the slow game. And I mean, look, 26 minutes, we end up do managing, you know, some sort of an attempt. Uh, Obama in half, while he's a, sh- a shot past the keeper. But of course, it smacks the outside of the post. But I mean, the keeper was already beaten. But, you know, it's moments like that where... It's really become almost like game-changing or key moments where we're not really, you know, picking off our chance or taking up our chances. We end up just fluffing and fluffing because what you now said is so true because where is that urgency in the passing and moving? It's so slow. I mean, there was one moment, I think, in the first half, and I think that's what I do when I started losing my shit, was uh, watching Pepe was bursting down the left flank, I believe. And, you know, the Arsenal team, the midfielders, they were trying to also, you know, add that extra momentum going forward. And what he does, he just, all of a sudden, he just stops dead in his tracks to drag the ball back. And, look, it also goes hand in hand what you just said. There's nobody also making themselves readily available because Aubameyang, you know, even though he's got a central position, he keeps on drifting back and back. And I don't know if it's how they are coached. I don't know if this is his sort of game, but... As you said now, we need to also get the sort of talk. I mean, we've been hopping about this most of the time in the podcast also this past season. It's like we don't have, you get all these crosses coming in, but we don't have a target, man. And that is why I said this is also something to be looked at really long and hard by the club because we do need a, a, almost like an old school nine, number nine that it's just hanging around the penalty spot or the edge of the box because it can't, this can't also go on because it gives us, we are so predictable also because. Also, that Odegaard was also frustrating me. Uh, emails with Rowe because you saw them trying to do this sort of drive going forward. And the minute they would do that little check back or stop start, as I call it, then you just saw this wave of yellow just getting even more behind the ball. So, of course, it's closing up all the channels and then you just see back, 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 side, side, pass, pass. We're never going to get through like that. And you could see we were, uh, or Villarreal and, and Una Emery, they dictated how we played and how and when we had possession. It's not us. I mean, we might, or Arteta might think, you know, we were not just uh, bossing and dominating them. They were deciding when and when, uh, where, and, like, you know, we were going to get the ball or allow to then venture forward further. Because then you could actually see they go from a sort of high press to a, a total sit back again, and they just wait. And then you can see they they catching their breath again, and then you see them do the high press again. All time, it's almost like watching a, a cat with a toy with a mouse. Yeah, it, it wasn't a good showing for the first half, you know, for Arsenal side that needed a goal. And all they needed was a goal. And I guess at 0-0, you're still thinking to yourself, you know, we just need one goal. It, it doesn't, we don't have to, yeah. 
um, play good or just don't concede. And, and, you know, we always have that opportunity to come back and just nip one goal. It can happen at any time or nick one goal. And, but there were no signs of it. Players weren't showing anything. They weren't showing us anything. And there was only like a one shot on target before, um, or at halftime or something like that. Yeah. I mean, said United, man, I mean, also, it's like a pile driver at, at the Valerial keeper, Baruli. And, I mean, he ends up spreading the ball through his legs. But, you know, this is also something that, that was so infuriating because Smith Rowe was standing roughly like four or five feet from the incident. And I thought he was going to, you know, kind of anticipate the sort of blunder because I was, my personal take was, I thought he was going to kind of parry the ball into a danger, dangerous area mm. and Smith Rowe would, would be there. But when I saw him fumble the ball, I thought to myself, there is your opportunity to, to get a hit, you know, between the goalkeeper and the ball at, at least. Because, I mean, you could even win a penalty like it. And it's not like he just ball watches the whole moment for that keeper to now even like turn around and then recover and get himself on the ball. And I thought to myself, mate, you had to get, you know, to be really alert for that. Because, I mean, especially in a game that's, so on a knife edge where we needed, you know, something to, you know, even to go into halftime with. But I mean, again, planted again for the team. Yeah, no, no at halftime. And you kind of ask yourself, where is something going to come from? Because there was just, you know, previously Arsenal would at least show something that something could happen. But it was like no spark, no fire, no nothing. And it was getting quite frustrating and worrying as a, as a gunner. Um, hoping that something was going to happen. But we're going to the second half, you know, and, and kind of where we left off the first half. I mean, Una, Emre, and Villarreal looked very comfortable. Yeah, I mean, look, for the seven we did um, manage a shot off again for the seven with Pepe. I mean, it was a close half volley, but I mean, of course, there was still enough air between the post and the and the ball. So, again, a you know, guilty chance missed in. For the ninth minute, I think this is where... I actually was, you know, was like nearly out of my seat already because the keeper ends up half clearing Arsenal with the ball back and I'll, you know, start pressing forward into yes. the, the Villarreal box. And I don't know what Smith Rowe was trying because I don't know if he was in two minds, but I just thought to myself, all you needed there was just, a, a, you know, the, the low back lift. That's all. Don't yeah. try to, you know, really try to t- trigger it and, and hit the curler. Just a little back lift like Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank used to do. That's all you had to do. And, and I mean, he ends up almost like overcomplicating things and the ball goes wide. You know, it was a narrow miss, but I mean, again, a chance missed. Yeah, these chances were starting to get frustrating and you, I could feel the nerves like getting more, I started getting more tense and, you know, started getting uh, uh, angry, like started like fuming, like where I was like literally, you know, I couldn't sit in my seat anymore because yeah. I was just hoping like, just do something to like, you know, Show me that there's more coming because it was like the attacks were few and far between. You know, it wasn't that kind of relentless. Like you come again and you win the ball off Valerial and you come again. You know, almost tapping like pushing him into submission, but it was sideways, sideways, slow pass, sideways, and you were never gonna break through them because Valerial was just packing players behind the ball all the time. Yeah, because I mean, you could see like even. Some of the, uh, the, the uh, like that Paco, Paco Alcazar, he was at, at some one point, he was also playing almost like a, a sort of holding midfielder where he's just kind of holding things at bay before they break because they just kept more, uh, that Gerard Moreno, you know, on the halfway line. So any sort of break, you know, he's there to, to, to pounce because in the, what was it, 53rd minute, Thomas Party again, Daddy's on the ball. I think he ends up this time getting bundled off by two players. He's kind of slow to, to you know, recover. And, of course, it leaves, uh, you know, Marina to run at the uh, Arsenal defence. Luckily, they all managed to kind of band together. They, they kind of nullify the situation. And, I mean, he ends up just managing off to get the uh, time uh, shot at, you know. Yeah, but you could see um, Valeria's aim was not just to just do not concede. That's all they were. They were hardly even trying to attack Arsenal. Yeah. So, 66 minutes, Arteta then starts his substitution setup. Uh, Odegaard comes off again. I mean, you know, it's moments like this that, that, that kind of worries me. You remember you asked me, uh, I don't know if it was a podcast or two ago, about whether we keep him or not. And I mean, for me, it's almost like I'm starting to sit on the side of, you know, maybe not taking up the option. I mean, I know I was kind of pushing for that, but when you see, in, in when it, you know, when it comes to the real deal in those sort of games, 
I'm not talking about the league where people are backing off at, at times, but I mean, for me, this is how we now really met it, and you're now wanting something creative of him in a game that's already so tight, you know, uh, where, where chances are few and far between. But I mean, when I saw his lack, you know, really of, of making the breakthrough there or breaking the line somehow, then I thought to myself, no, nah, I'm not that, you know, really won over. But I mean, Martin Allen came on to, on to kind of inject some pace into the team. But again, this was goes back to also the, the sort of lineup that Arteta chose. Because could you make sense of the, like, not only the formation, but what style of play did we try? No, no, that's a problem. We we don't, you don't see any style or identity of play anymore. It's just you're throwing players on and hoping for the best that somebody would conjure up something for him. I mean, did you, I don't know if you picked up on this, but did you see how many times Pepe and Saka were switching and there was nothing, you know, Saka wasn't getting uh, any luck either side. Uh, Pepe wasn't really making any sort of, you know, breakthroughs on these, uh, either flank either. So, I mean, you could see it's more like the players seemed also just as confused as we that were watching. Yeah, no, at, I don't know. Ateta just seemed to be losing it. And you could see, you know, there was no real plan or, or tactic to how to break them down anymore because we were just, you know, it seemed like everybody was just doing their own thing to try to score a goal, individual, working on individual brilliance and not, you know, trying to work away into the polls. And it was getting quite frustrating. And, you know, the, the, the more time ticked on, Villarreal was starting to frustrate me as well with the antics of, yeah. you know, going down. I mean, oh, I mean, even I, I thought we could have had a penalty appeal somewhere when they even um, uh, pulled Pepe down in the box. But, I mean, VAR wasn't even looked at. Then in the 79th minute, Aubameyang, he's a wall powerfully at goal. I mean, it beats a keeper, smacks against the post. And, I mean, it's almost like going along the across the goal line and, Albiol ends up just moving the ball into the stand. So, I mean, another, you know, big miss for Arsenal. I mean, not that I mean, it was his fault. It was just like bad luck on the night there. But, I mean, then came also kind of the drama moment from an Arsenal perspective because a minute later, Arteta decides to take off Aubameyang. Okay, of course, okay, Tierney I can understand, but, I mean, he ends up taking Aubameyang off, who's showing, you know, the latter part of the game, showing a he was a bit more of a threat. And I mean, he brings on Lacazette because I actually thought they would use him in tandem. And of course, he brings on William again. <laughs> Which was bizarre. Why William has done absolutely nothing to show that he can make something happen. And he brought him on instead of leaving Lacazette on, which was a cardinal sin. I mean, I mean, leaving Aubameyang on. I mean, like, you know, just trying to all kinds of blazing with, like I said, in a bummy and, you know, up front with maybe uh, Martinelli. Yeah. Kind oh, of yeah. playing on the side and kind of you you move Saka to left back, left back fine and you maybe just slot in Pepe behind the, the strikers, you know, just to to try to make something happen. Yeah, then, I mean, look, 91st minute, again, a strange decision. Arteta ends up bringing on Eden Ketiaf to do the last four minutes of the game and takes off Hector Bellerin. And for me, again, a substitution that you could have made even earlier because, okay, Ketiaf did, you know, almost catch on shit when he almost got sent off <laughs> for the two hectic challenges. But I mean, the way he was really pressuring the keeper in that little bit of time that he was in the field. And I thought that is the sort of press, pressing you should have done in the game. Because... Yeah. Gave him that look. He's a, at times you could see he's a nervous wreck when yes, we, yes, yes, he, yes, yes, yes. Even the first uh, leg you could see. Yeah, but we toy with the ball, and as you said, you know, we always like screw around too much that we don't get that sort of initiative where we can actually put real pressure on him. Because I mean, we allow him to, you know, like compose himself a bit more than you know he would have if he came up against you know a, a weight class here or a faster football playing side. Oh, I, I could tell you I was really devastated, you know, as we close into the, the, the final whistle, I was like, you know, hoping that you know, there would be some moment of brilliance. And I, I just couldn't see it happening. I mean, that, that putting the ball in the box and nobody's getting to the ball and, you know, hoping that there would be some sort of foul in the box or something. And then, you know, Riff blows his final whistle. And I don't think I've felt this devastated in a long time because... You could see yeah. us getting to the Europa League final. The path was clear for us. 
obviously United would have been a, a tricky and a fair, and probably with the rate we've been playing, they would have made light work of us. But, you know, so close to the final and out by uh, our old coach that we sacked 18 months ago. And could you really actually, you know, oh, like, wh- wh- where do you start? I mean, you look at Unai Emery. He came and he set out a plan and executed it. Sometimes I wonder, it's not just the players, but like, is this players not disciplined enough to stick to tactics? Because, you know, remember Una Emery would try certain things with Arsenal, you know, against Liverpool away from home. And these guys would have just moments of madness and, and, and cost themselves the game. I mean, Arteta sometimes has a plan. And, you know, after this game, I'm kind of feeling, I don't know if Arteta is the right man for the club, but you, you ask yourself, you know, Arteta maybe has a set plan, but these yeah. players, yeah. I mean, let the game go out the window. I mean, if you go back to the first league, I mean, Thomas Party, um, you know, lets the guy run off him, Raul Abiel, free in the near post and just has to smash the ball into the back of the net. I mean, the chances we missed as well. And he did but, it last night again. I don't know if you picked up on it. He did it last night again at the corner. When again, Abiel uh, runs off him, off his shoulder, and he's almost like ball watching. And I mean, I think Abiel just end up heading wide or something like that. But he did it again. He, he loses his man again. So I don't know, you know, what's the way forward from here. But I mean, as we'll go into the talking points after the discussing the West Brom game, yeah, we can get a bit more into it. But yeah, Arsenal take on West Brom. I mean. <sighs> I just want the season to get done already. I mean, it's yeah. you know, it's there's no motivation to you know you you like you like watching a a, a game knowing that there's something to play for somewhere along the line. You no, know, even if it's not in the league, but you know, leading up to the Europa League final or FA Cup final or this game, second leg, first leg, you have kind of that you know. Okay, let's get momentum going. But what what is it to play for? I mean, we 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 there's there's just you're going to watch probably uh, Arsenal come out of the blocks flying, scoring two early goals. And it's just, you know, you're going to ask yourself, what's this for really for if you can't deliver when it really counts? Yeah, because I mean, look, it's a maximum of 12, 12 points on the table. Um, Arsenal need to make, you know, every one of the last four games count because it's like, what, two home, two away. Um, you know, West Brom aren't also going down without a fight under LRS because... I believe they've won two, lost one, and then drew the last two games. So, I mean, they also not to be taken lightly. I mean, there's still a, you know, a small gap of points. But, I mean, if, if West Brom was to go on some sort of run, even though, I mean, I, I did see, even though making this sort of a pointer, when I did see who they face, I think, the next three games, something like Liverpool and West Ham and so who. So, I mean, they also got the uphill toss. But, I mean, still, they'll probably be fencing themselves, especially Sam Allardyce. You'll be fencing himself to bully Arsenal probably in this game. No, it's going to be... I, I'm telling you, Sam Allardyce will come there and let Arsenal attack. We will be, like, you know, toothless up front, concede a goal, and, you know, that the rest will be history. It seems to just be... Uh, that's how we play at the Emirates. Like you said, um, Emre had kind of a top-notch um, home record at the Emirates. If you look at... Um, Mikel Arteta, you know, seems to really battle at home. So, if yeah. only the two of them could have married their kind of form home and away, I think we would have been in much better footing. But that being said, you know, West Brom will probably be coming out all guns blazing. And you wonder what Arsenal are going to, like, you know, where's their heads at? They've had quite a emotional, um, we would say, two weeks with the old Super League thing, the... Um, dropping your uh, dropping the ball against Villarreal and getting knocked out. So, you know, we we Arsenal. I don't know who's going to be starting. What's the aim? You know, what's the objective of these next few games to kind of find out who's going to stay, who, who's playing for places for next season, or you know, what is the the, the strategy behind the next four games? And then just on to West Ham, West Brom. Sorry, um, like Mateus Pereira, he's been also the shining light in a gloomy season. Um, he's already. You know, top of the club goal scorers charts at the club. He's a uh, top assist uh, maker there at the club as well. 
he's also a top performer at the club. So, I mean, he's been almost like the man with the check of all trades at the club. So, I mean, our record so far in the league, as you and I mentioned, has been shocking. I mean, no wins in six games. And, in, in, I mean, the last pre- Premier League home win is the 14th of March against Spurs. Gee, so, I mean, Yeah, and I mean, I, I do expect a, a win for Arsenal, but it, as you said, uh, you know, little too, too little too late now. Yeah, it's 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 going to be like, you know, just watching the game as a bit, like, you know, a bit of a chore now, just to get through yeah. the season. It's, there is no excitement of, oh, yes, Arsenal's playing on Sunday. It's just, ah, uh, let me just get this game over with. Let's just get the season over with. And for far too long as Gunners, you know, yes, there's been times where, you know, we've been in the FA Cup finals and we've been lucky to win it in the last few seasons, um, even the Europa League final as well. But, um, like, there's just far too many seasons as an Arsenal fan. You're just going to the end of the season, just trying to, you know, to get the season done. Or, you know, the, the season's done already by, you know, December, January. You're already just looking to kind of get to the top four by Uku, by Kruk. So, you know, hopefully we can get the result. But I'm not holding my breath with this team at the moment. Yeah, and I mean, that also leads me now in the, you know, the final part of the podcast with the talking points. Um, you know, like, I, I was somebody, you know, you, you, look, you know, when you sometimes need almost like a, a bit of positivity, you know, yes. you would like me to give you that sort of thing. Yeah. But I, when I told you the other day also, I, I mean, I feel almost like empty. I feel, yeah. and I mean, I'm sure all you gooners that like are listening feel the same way. It's like, you know, you want, you want, and, and, and it's not like, you know, we can be also classed as, uh, you know, almost like guilty of um, slaughtering the team. We all want the best for them. We all want the best for our theater. But yes. when you see people put on a show like that that you saw on our last night, and I mean, that was now one of many during the season. Yes, it wasn't a one-off. Yeah, and I mean, to me, my question was the whole time, do you, like US players or, or coach, don't you have any pride? I mean, you play for, like, you know, Arsenal lost to, to, to Man United at 8 2. And yeah. we really thought, okay, that's on the lowest point for us. But I mean, that, that group of players, I mean, they're maybe not the most talented as a group, whatever that, that Wenger had that season. But I mean, they almost like they rolled up their sleeves and they fought it out till the end. This yes. team, as I said, this team takes it to a, a new level of, of you know, just. Downright like, bad, like uh, it's one of the worst sides in a while. Because yes, uh, see how the team has declined. I mean, we've we've changed coaches. I mean, the club has not gone forward. We've gone further back now. Yes, no, I, I agree hundred percent with you. You know that that eight two season. I mean, we ended third. Yeah. We fought, I mean, we 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 were down in the dumps, but the, like you said, the players rolled up their sleeves and. At that time, you know, we, who, who could you name that would get into a, this kind of starting lineup? You know, besides Van Persie. I mean, yeah. we had what Chesney in goal. We, right now, we have a better keeper in Leno. We had Mertesacker from Marlin and Koscielny as our, you know, centre-backs, even though they, you know, we could use the two of them, actually, Koscielny and Mert. But, I mean, right, left-back with Andre Santos at times, and I think it was Kieran Gibbs playing. Um, you know, right-back, I can't even remember. It. Oh, Sun, yeah, I mean, but... We didn't have real mid-ball playing midfielders. I mean, Alex Song and, and, and Ramsey were, and Arteta were almost at mid three, uh, midfield three. But, I mean, you look at this team now, it's a bunch of overpaid players at the moment that, you know, are not delivering. And our place in the league table is not, uh, is a true reflection of of how, how far we've declined over the end. And, you know, we, we were quick to slate Unai Emre and I also, you know, was very guilty of saying, you know, Emre out, Emre out when the players, you know, were down their tools. But you look look at Emre's role at Arsenal and his, his first season. I mean, we were very unlucky with the way we got, um, I mean, not unlucky, but Chelsea, you know, out, did outclasses in the final. But if we had our tactics better... You could have been in the Champions League. I mean, that Aubameyang misses a penalty against um, Spurs in the 90th minute. You know, score that goal. We go two points ahead of Spurs. We missed out on top four by one point that season. And we started, you know, 
the players started faltering towards the end. So it's kind of these players, you know, have these egos, want these wages, want all these things, are posing for taking videos of how they're scoring goals at training and dancing and all that. But when it comes to the big moments, you know, they go hiding. Yeah, I mean, this now leads me to my point that I want to make because for me, it's like, you know, you've got big players that, hide, I mean, they don't know, they show even no shame because, I mean, they, they hide in these big games where you really need them. And it's almost like everybody now expects that youngsters like Saka, Smith Rowe, people like Odegaard, and then to like dig you now out of that sort of mess that you kind of get, you know, got us in. That is why I said, you know, we can chop and change managers all we like. But, I mean, it's going to come down to, it's time people in the teams are looking at themselves. And I mean, the board also, this goes for the board as well. Because for me, it's not like you're changing coaches, but you still got the same problem in the team. So yes, I mean, so... I think it's changed. I mean, and, and I mean, really, I'm not talking about change. It's almost like an overall, because something needs to be done. And I mean, it's going to need big, big money to probably get this thing sorted out. Because... If you look what what like the likes of Liverpool, Man City, or even Chelsea now have, have like injected into this club, with the owners almost like nearly out of, most of them out of their own pocket, have not tried to to, to bolster the squad these squads, and we've got a coach uh, an owner that wants to just use the club funds, and I mean which is not that much. And you can imagine with this whole COVID restrictions, with no fans coming in, it's going to be even less. And now with no Europe, even less. So what's he going to do? So see the Krunka takes the money out of his pocket, gets the club going again, or you know, just pack up, sell up, and go. Yeah, but yeah, but you you do know. I mean, you always mentioned that the St. Louis Rams that he owns was a that that team oh. that 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 you know is also in kind of mid table obscurity because I mean he just uses them as you know profit margins. Not he's not the true lover of the game. Yeah. I think it's only the thing he owns the Denver Nuggets in basketball. I think you know they they're doing well. I think maybe he, he loves basketball or something. But you know, if he's not going to do anything, you could see Arsenal slipping down further the table because we are tenth now or ninth now. But uh, it's by Ukuba Kruk actually because all it takes is Arsenal to lose a few games. You know, teams will leave leave Ragas. But you yeah. look next season again. You know, let's say. You know, Bert Leonard decides, you know, I'm not going, I can't do this anymore because it, it means a Champions League football for another, no Champions League football for another season, no European football for another season, and we're going to have to try to get in the top four. Saka might look like, you know, why should I be? And, and Arsenal are not going to be an attractive club to come to anymore. They're not an attractive club. Why would you want to join Arsenal Football Club right now? What yeah. would mean to make that? That's what we. It's going to be difficult to attract players because why do you like? Could you do you know anybody at the top of your head right now that would want to join Arsenal? Tenth place, almost no European football. You know what? What project are you going to come to? What is the plan? What is Arsenal's objective for next season? It needs to be clear. You and I. I mean, is, is will you be happy if we aim for just getting back in Europa League? Or do you want us to aim for top four? I want to go for top four again. Because, I mean, I just think, uh, you know, my thing, I mean, like, this almost like a gripe I've been like, keeping under for a while now. When you think what the club and the club owners promised all fans, I mean, all Arsenal fans worldwide, what their plan was to move to the Emirates, what we were to expect. I mean, we even had to bite the bullet for, I don't know, how many seasons. Yes. Using our biggest, uh, you know, fan, like the real fantastic players that we had. And, and look at us now. Where's that, that sort of dream gone that they've now, almost like, oh, yeah, almost like a pipe dream that they've been selling us all these years. And now all of a sudden, they almost like, you know, and just, you know, us fans must give them another chance. It don't work like that. Because if you can't handle it, I mean, to own a football club is not just for, you know, for, for bells and whistles and for little Christmas trimmings there. It's a, a, a real deal. I mean, a club with a real history. And I mean, it's almost like all that, that work from the likes of Herbert Chapman and down the, the eras. It's almost like going to all come to waste just through so one man, like Stan Kroenke. Yeah. And, and you also have to look, you know, looking back at Arsene Wenger now, like, you know, I, I know it was time for him to leave, but 
why not you took for granted ending in the top four? Hey? Like you, you always were like, oh, I'm upset that I want to end top four. You know, we had the trophy rather, and, you know, top four is not a trophy. And Wenger, you know, was, was right when he said, you know, top four is almost like a trophy because, you know, you, you kind of, that's what brings you the players, unfortunately, these days. It's not, you know, who, who can win the Carabao Cup three times or FA Cup, you know, but, top FA Cup holders. And it's sad, but that's the direction the game is going. You, if, if you want to succeed as a club, you have to end in the top four first and foremost and add chip your trophies, you know, a FA Cup with the top four or a Carabao Cup with the top four. And then you start building on there, you know, next season you, you fight for, you know, a uh, uh, second spot maybe, you know, try to get that second spot. And then you fight for that top spot and maybe, you know, try to progress nicely in the Champions League competitions. But we are a far way away of doing any of those things. And, I mean, you know, when, when, when Arsenal were in their prime, you know, it would be exciting to for kids to grow up and say, oh, wow, like, I support Arsenal. But, you know, you look at Arsenal, this team now, and, and um, you know, why would you want to support these guys? Like, what would you... Like, they don't stand for anything. They... It's just... It's just a mess. And a quick point that you mentioned about Saka. Can you imagine um, if Man City had to just depend on full fold in every game to, to deliver? Because I mean, for me, it, 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 it's, it's really grim days if, if nothing is going to be really sorted out because you can't also go on like this because the more, you know, we are stalling like this where he's almost like contemplating must you know, spend again in the club or this or that or whatever. Then you see the likes of Everton and they're moving again to another dimension type of thing. Yeah. They are expanding. Leicester City are already yes. off against us. West Ham of all teams are yes. know, probably going to get the Champions League spot if they keep going at this rate. Yeah, so it, it, it is grim days for Arsenal and teams are only going to get better. I mean, Aston Villa is looking good. I mean, Leeds will probably, you know, be a force again and they could attract players. I mean, like you said, Everton as well are going to get stronger. Spurs are probably also, you know, they could also be in the same boat as us where they start losing players. But I mean, how long is players going to continue staying at Arsenal? That's my fear. You know, Leno could be gone. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to leave this next season, but, I mean, if we probably don't show him anything, he'll leave. Okay, Aubameyang will probably end up leaving. Um, Tierney, Saka, you name it. I mean, who wants to be... Like, players probably not going to want to be at the club anymore if it carries on like this. Yeah, I mean, the only way now... I mean, look, I'm now sort of winding the podcast down. But, I mean, the only way I see, you know, forward... He, like, couldn't go like We'll have to take money out you know, and, and get that real top quality. And I also think this job is also becoming too big for somebody like Edu because I already think yeah. you need somebody that's a real smooth talker that can say, look, look, we're going to now be one season out of all European competitions. But I mean, we guarantee you, we're going to build a sort of squad that is going to be competitive the season thereafter, like for Europe and whatever, and, and, and say a domestic challenge also. But only then and there we can... It's going to come down to, you know, cash on end. And I don't mean like, you know, doing this whole uh, borrowing from Peter to pay Paul type of thing. But also hard cash and also men that are real doers at, at the club. Because, I mean, I was just looking today at the Man City, you know, the backroom um, yeah. material stuff. They've got two guys from Barcelona. And, and I mean the Barcelona sides from at 03 to uh, 08. That's a real successful period. They nabbed them already. In that last year, I think of these, they, they named the two of them. They also have another advisor, a football advisor, to uh, Pep. That's always almost like he's like Mr. Invisible. He's from Bayern Munich. So we need to start thinking like that if we want to really be serious or be take, taken serious again in the league. Because, I mean, as I said, we've become a laughing stock. So, I mean, I think then, then we need to get some top quality guys at board level. And as Andre also said, get some arsenalization in that board. Yes. <laughs> Okay. So, do you have any other points before we... No, I, I don't. It's just uh, okay. difficult to pick ourselves up from here. Eh? But, you know, as we have to keep on going. Yeah. Okay, guys. Take care. Enjoy the weekend. Bye. Cheers, guys. Have a good one. <laughs>